Hello and welcome to Bat Flips and Nerds, the baseball podcast with a British twist. I am your host, John McGee, and joining me this evening or afternoon their time are two very special guests who have told me in the pre-podcast conversation that they mustn't be referred to as Siamese twins joined at the hip or partners in crime and partners in life or anything like that. So we'll get all of that parked out of the way before we even get started. It's Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman. Is that right? Is that the right pronunciation, Jordan? You nailed it. You nailed nailed it. it. That's better Better than a lot of Americans. So well done. (laughs) Better known to everyone on baseball Twitter and on MLB's Cup 4 as the Cespedes Family Barbecue. How are you both this afternoon, gents? I'm quite well. I can't, I can't, as you mentioned, I cannot speak for my not Siamese mm. engagement. So Thank you for I'll, not speaking for me. So I'll let him, uh, I'll let him answer that question, but I'm doing quite well. Excellent. I, I also happen to be doing quite well. I'm not doing quite well because mm. of Jordan. I'm doing quite well, separate, independent of his wellness. Excellent. So we're gonna we're gonna get into the uh, the conversation about you guys' career, and we've got some brilliant listener questions. But but before we go on, I just want to say because I I can see Jake and Jordan, and you guys listening to this probably actually can't. Uh, Jordan is sitting in front of uh, a very on brand painting of Johannes Cespedes, yes. um, and also uh, a, a Danish flag. Um, so you can explain one, please. Please explain the other. Uh... <laughs> Yes. Uh, shocking combo. Probably not something that you'll see in really anybody else's room. Uh, as we might get to, uh, Jake, uh, when he was in college, studied abroad in, in London, which is much more relevant to this conversation. I studied abroad in Copenhagen. so uh, And I did get to, to visit Jake in London, but I was in Denmark for a few months. And while there is very not a lot, not a lot of baseball uh, in London, there's literally zero, nothing, zip, zilch baseball in uh, Scandinavia, which was which was fun to experience. But uh, but that's that explains the Danish flag and our our nice photo of Yo here. I actually, have two, lot lot of stuff related uh, art 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 pieces here. Uh, sorry for the listeners who can't see the beautiful art, but uh, but yeah, yeah those are true passions. Absolutely. Well, I hasten to add that all of all of my baseball paraphernalia is in front of me. I get I get to look at it whilst I podcast. Uh, this is supposedly my work desk, but actually um, all my shelves for the many, many baseballs that I appear to have collected against my girlfriend's will over the course of the last you know 15 years or so. Um, so let's let's get on uh, with the conversation. So everyone on baseball Twitter knows who you are. They know what you do. It's it's really funny, relatable content uh, that shows the joyous side of baseball. Um, I imagine that not a lot of listeners here in the UK know your origin story. I, I've I've had the look of hearing it. I heard the, the podcast you did with the the eminent Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller on Effectively Wild. So I, I know the background to uh, the, the bromance that is the Cespedes family barbecue. But for the sake of those listeners who maybe don't know your origin story, would you, would you mind giving him giving it to them in a nutshell? Sure. Uh, here's the brief version. Jordan and I met in middle school, became friends kind of over the course of high school, even though we went to different high schools. Uh, we became better friends as we discovered that the other person was also a huge baseball nerd. Um, and we just started hanging out a lot and like talking about baseball and watching baseball. And one day we were like, oh, let's start a website. Um, Cause you know, who doesn't do that? Hmm. Um, and we were like, oh, what do we name it? Well, the Cespedes thing is super goofy. 
basically there's this video of Johannes uh, roasting a pig over an open spit at the end of a showcase tape that he sent around. And we were like, this is wild and <laughs> super weird and we'll never have to explain it to anyone. So we named it the Cespedes Family Barbecue. And for about eight months, we were basically just writing for no one. Like no one was reading our stuff. We had like 70 followers and like I was living in Israel at the time for a lot of that. And like we were just kind of grinding out weird posts every day. And then we met someone at an event at a baseball prospectus event the summer before we went to college in 2013. And they were like, oh, these dudes are weird. So he tweeted about us. And then ever since then, it just kind of snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And now we do it for a living somehow. <laughs> I, I remember from listening to that that conversation with Ben and Sam that you guys uh, maybe saw each other as quite different at school, right? So it, was, it wasn't a, a natural relationship from the very start, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were at it was a pretty small school. So, you know, everyone's trying to find their place. Uh, in the the middle school, you know, social hierarchy and dynamic. And at the time, we were very, very similar. We, we occupy very similar spaces uh, at said middle school. And so that's why there was a little, little bit of a clash. We were like, no, we can't have two of the same thing. Now, since <laughs> then, we've definitely developed and become very different people. Obviously, we have a lot of the exact same interests. But I think, as I think a lot of people have learned, we are not the same person. Uh, and we are very different in a lot of ways. But at the time, you know, at age, at age 12, 13, we were occupying a very similar space. And we're like, no, like, that's, that's my thing. Like, I'm the, you know, ADHD kid who likes to play sports and, you know, makes jokes in class and makes teachers angry. Like, it was the same thing. And there were just yeah. not enough people to really differentiate ourselves between. So that's really what it was. But, you know, we overcame our differences and created great internet content, as most people do. <laughs> That's what people do for a living these days. Um, and you pivoted to video long before them. So, you know, you got the march on them. <laughs> that's, <Yeah>. that's true. <laughs> yes, indeed. So that's the origin story. Uh, the chemistry speaks for itself. But where do the ideas come from, guys? I, 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 I want to know from a personal point of view. Uh, but I think people listening will want to know as well. Where, where, where does the alchemy come from that goes into what we see on the floor every day and that, that brought people's attention to you? Um, is it just keeping an eye out for the, the sort of the quirky side of baseball or, or um, is it a little bit more applied than that? I think it depends. I think tweets are reactionary. Mm -hmm. So like very rarely is there any kind of like, you know, crafting or bubbling or, conversation that really goes into framing an idea that ends up as a tweet. And there's never like, uh, Oh, we should tweet. Like, what should we tweet about? <laughs> it's just like, I'm thinking this, we talked about that. That's funny. Let's tweet it. Like this morning I tweeted something about having a catch, playing a catch and throwing and the kind of the phrases to use for that. And that was kind of inspired by a conversation that we had yesterday on the subway. Mm -hmm. Right. In terms of like bigger ideas that end up on cut four, there's a little bit more, I would say, creative molding that goes into that um, and a lot more brainstorming. And a lot of that involves other people who work here. Um, but I would say that most of the things that we come up with, especially on Twitter, are born from conversations that we're just having with one another, which is kind of the reason. And we got into this in the first place, right? 
it was just like, oh, we're having silly baseball conversations. Let's write them down. Yeah, that's still what it is. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would echo that. Like, that's really, you know, and Jake joked earlier that like, you know, we were writing for no one for a year, but like, you know, we were writing for ourselves. Like, we were just like, oh, like we think we're funny, and also we want to have like a place where we can look back and be like, oh, like remember when we, you know, did that post about Ryan Domit's eyes looking like you know a black hole and like <laughs> these things that just come up in ways that you would never expect but it's kind of capitalizing on those conversations that we're already having um and then right but like jake said like the bigger ideas the more ambitious things that involve a lot of different uh people and planning you know those that's something that we've learned to, over the last few years like what that process is and kind of developing this, those into real things and not just like funny tweets not that the funny tweets are not important and obviously have built us to where we're at, but um, but yeah, there's there's that's kind of a different process for the bigger ideas. So one of one of the things that I think brought a lot of attention to you were, were the the baseball road trips that you did together. So how much planning did you put into those, and where did the inspiration come from? Why, why did you go to certain places that you did? Uh, you, you may, in fact, you do know that a very good friend of ours is uh, is on his second baseball road trip imminently, Mister Joey Mello's baseball Brit. So uh, mate. <laughs> Maybe you can give him a bit of inspiration, a bit of advice. So the baseball, the first one we went on was the summer going into college. Mm -hmm. And the, the date, I, the thing I mentioned before, like the baseball prospectus event was like the first day of the road trip by total mm -hmm. chance. That road trip was planned out as like, let's go see some minor league baseball and like drive across America before we go to college. And we drove to Iowa. So we're from DC. Mm -hmm. We drove from Washington, DC to Iowa and back. And the planning for that was just, it was only like a week and we saw a game every day and it was fairly simple, straight line. And then like, I realized that I have an addiction to developing and crafting unnecessarily complicated itineraries. <laughs> and so like the day we got back, I like was like, I like wrote up a whole script for like the next year's trip, right? And so like the next year we went to Houston and back. Uh, and that one we were writing for Baseball Prospectus. Mm -hmm. But it was like, you know, there were days where we'd see two games where we'd like go, bah, bah. we'd drive like six hours after just to get to the next spot. The year after that, we did, we flew to San Diego and then we drove to Seattle. And then MLB was like, yo, this is cool. Do it for us. And so we drove from DC to Maine. Oh, wow. To San Diego <laughs> to DC. And it, wow. we did 28 days in the car. It was amazing. But, and those road trips like really gave us a sense of kind of like a geographic knowledge mm -hmm. that really helped us in terms of interacting with players. Like I know that if you go to the stadium in Clinton, Iowa, that it smells like dog food because it's near a Purina dog factory. Right. It's <laughs> so, like, I meet a dude in like who played in the Midwest league who played there and he knows that I know it smells like dog food. Like that's a common thread that we can have a conversation with. And that's how you kind of develop, you know, a friendship. And so it's like that stuff has been crazy helpful for us, I think. Yeah, I agree. And and I think, uh, yeah, so much of it was born, especially the first one. Uh, really the whole point of the first trip oh, right. was to go see Byron Buxton um, play in low A. Uh, this is when he, like just a year after he had been drafted number two overall, and he was like the biggest deal in prospect world. Mm -hmm. And so we were going to drive to Iowa to see him because that was just like made sense. And then we were going to do the field of dreams, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> we planned this whole trip. He gets promoted like a week before we leave and it, it doesn't even matter. 
that we don't even end up seeing Buxton. So, you know, that, that got, that got kind of became a moot point, but then that was the inspiration of it. But yeah, so much of it was that like, we, we love the minor leagues. We love following minor league players. Um, so much more you can do. I mean, that first trip, we were really just going as fans. We weren't really doing any interviews. The years afterwards, we actually would be getting, you know, press passes, you know, maybe mm -hmm. do some interviews um, and videos with minor leaguers. And, and, and those teams are so great about, about giving you that access and and because they want you to promote their random team in the middle of Alabama or Arkansas <laughs> or New Mexico. Like they're just happy that you're there. Um, and that was when we were still like nobody. <laughs> uh, they just like to, to have that attention. So all those things kind of rolled into just like everything that we love about the game. Um, of course, we also got to see a lot of big league ballparks along the way, which is cool. But the minor league stuff is really our bread and butter and has, and has served us well in many different ways uh, throughout all this crazy experience. Yeah, I, I had a, a similar experience last year when, uh, so I, as I was saying to Jake at the start, Jordan, before you joined us, I live I live in Manchester um, and I went over to Boston last year to watch a bunch of Red Sox games and decided that it would be a good idea to, to go to Manchester in New Hampshire, um, primarily to see Vlad Jr. Um, and also because I thought it was funny and when I got there, no one did. <laughs> Where are you from? Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's worth it, man. That's, that's exactly the kind of joke you got to be making. I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah, so I did that, and I, I saw Vlad, uh, and he uh, fell over and got injured um, and was out for two months. So I saw him have one at-bat. I didn't see him hit home run, but I did see my my favorite named player ever, Sicknarf Loopstock, hit home run. So, you know. Oh, yes, geez. Loopy. Him. He's the best. Loopy. It was <laughs> Oh man, that's great. I have a very not to up not to upstage your story. I like remember so vividly sitting in the parking lot outside of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats Stadium mm -hmm. because we had gotten there too early and mm -hmm. just like I don't know what well I actually do remember, I remember. something we were doing. I but... remember exactly what we were doing. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say exactly what we were doing. <laughs> so <laughs> This was a moment in my life in which I was frequenting, I was frequenting dating apps. Okay. Something I'm, I'm admittedly no longer doing regularly. And <laughs> both Jordan and myself are Jewish. Okay. Uh, and there's this dating app called J-Swipe, which is Jews. <laughs> And so as we were driving across America, we would like set the radius on the app to be like, are there any Jews near us? Like, do we have anyone? <laughs> and I vividly remember being in the New Hampshire Fisher Cats parking lot, like, like being like, well, there are no Jews within a mile. Um, maybe we've got three. <laughs> I remember that so well. Yeah. Where was, the, where, I, was where was the nearest Jew to um <laughs> <laughs> I think we had to. I think we had to spread it out pretty it far. Like, it was like Boston. I was going to say it wasn't Boston. <laughs> I found yeah. some. There's loads here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had to. You had to. Uh, it wasn't it as to, bad as when we were like driving through Utah. I mean, that yeah, was... but still. So anyway, yeah. Sorry, I just you just you just brought up that memory, and, and but again, like we've been to all these weird places, and there's like these just little pieces of. Of memory, but but I get we didn't get to see anything as cool as, as Sickner of Loopstock though, so I'm I'm jealous of that. Um, well, look, I'm I'm glad I've got at least one up on you. My my other favorite thing about that 
that Manchester as opposed to the one where I live is that the main street is called Elm Street, which I thought was very appropriate, having spent 48 hours there. Um, <laughs> safe to say I won't be rushing back, except if it's for baseball. And it might need a, pro- uh, a phenom as, as great as, as Vlad to get me back there. So I'm going to ask you probably a, a difficult question, I guess, based on what, you, what you've just said, Jordan. Where would be the one minor league ballpark that you would recommend everyone has to go to if they're on a baseball pilgrimage from the UK. Mm, wow. That is so hard. And especially like when you, when with the pretense of like, I'm coming overseas to see a minor league ballpark, mm. got to make it worth it. Um, wow. No, That's no really brainer. difficult. It's a no brainer for me. Okay. You're saying Asheville? Yeah. Asheville. I mean, okay. like it is so different than any park you'll see in America now. It was built in like 1921 and it's like built under the side of a mountain. Wow. Kind of. And like the outfield like is a big, enormous, not like a, like a berm, like a big hill, like a huge daunting thing. Um, and it's, it's a very unique park. It's not nice. Like I wouldn't say it's like sexy or anything, but it's beautiful and it's quaint and it's unlike any other park you'll see in the minors. If you're coming over and you want to see like a, a really bells and whistles modern stadium, it's not that. Mm-hmm. For that, I would probably say Frisco. Mm-hmm. Frisco, there are some really good double parks. I, I think Reading is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some good. That's like a good balance between like it still feels like a minor league park, but it is also like a cool kind of a cool uh, combination of like new, but also like you can tell it's just been around for a long time. Um, Man, yeah, it's so hard. And obviously, when you're talking, some these are some weird places. It's not like you could fly in and you know take a cab to go see <laughs> go see the Asheville Stadium or, or even Frisco. So it's hard. But we've been and there's some beautiful beautiful ones. Jake mentioned Utah. Orem was extremely or sorry, uh, Ogden I should say uh, was extremely beautiful there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ogden, Utah, that was great. Um, and, and even some of the ones in California have some pretty nice backdrops. Uh, the Cal League, not, not, not some of the nicest parks, but mm. uh, Lake Elsinore has a pretty cool park. Um, and, uh, and yeah, yeah. So we'd have to, I'd have to think Tacoma. about it more. Tacoma. Tacoma, Tacoma, Tacoma is very beautiful. Um, but yeah, I bet Asheville, no, I mean, I agree. Asheville's, Asheville's awesome. So that's a good pick. And which one should, should we definitively avoid? I'm assuming it's one of the, uh, Grapefruit League, minor league complexes. So that's an interesting question. Something that we found driving all around America visiting these parks is that the crappier the facility, the more interesting the people Mm -hmm. and the more open and delightful the experience in a lot of ways. Because at the new parks – there's a sense of like, we can't ruin this beautiful new thing. Like, and like ushers are kind of uptight. Right. And like the concessions, people are just trying to get you in and out. But at these old parks where they're like, they need to be nice to survive Mm. is like a very different experience Mm. that I liked more. Like we went to Huntsville, Alabama, which was the weirdest like stadium ever. It was 25,000 seats and there were like maybe 300 people there. And it's built on an old um, air strip 
So like the water didn't drain and it's like this big concrete block and it was so bad. The team moved the year after we left, but everyone there was just the nicest person and we had the best time. So like the worst minor league stadiums are the ones that are like both unremarkable in their design and are like new enough that the people there are like still protective of it. It's, I think that's how I'd phrase that. I don't want to sh- throw anyone under the bus. No, no, that's okay. I won't make you. <laughs> I will say this. Like Texas, like the current and about to be old Rangers ballpark is kind of in my head that thing where it's like not old enough to be traditional and historic, but not new enough for it to blow your face off. So, yeah. <laughs> Cool. I, I won't. I won't make you name and show me the Jordan. I'll, I'll allow you to keep your diplomatic community because <laughs> yeah. this is how you guys make your make your corn. You got to be able mm. to go back there. You got to need yeah. a global welcome. Yeah, that's that's fair. Although I, I will okay. say, like, like Frederick and is like just fine. Like it's fine. Yeah. There's no one. Yeah. No one there is mean, and like the park isn't blah. It's just like there's nothing particularly like outstanding about. It. Right. I would also say you mentioned the grapefruit. Like, I would. I haven't been to like. Did you get to go to Dunedin, Jake, or no? No, I did not go to Dunedin. Yeah, but like Dunedin and like some of those ones, like because those are spring training complexes on top of being weird minor league fields and weird like complex. Like, yeah, those those are those are not even meant to be really a minor league park. In some ways, they're major league parks, so it's like mm-hmm. you think they'd be nicer, but there's less charm there. But in general, I agree with Jake. Like some of the ones that are older, not as nice. Like the people there are are, are generally wonderful. So, um, and we're not just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and again, this might be a bit of a mean question, um, but if you follow you guys on Twitter and follow your work on Cut Four, you know that you have even over and above Yo, who we'll come on to in a minute. Some some sort of pet players, I think we'd call them over here. Some favorites. Why why do you choose to latch onto them? I guess in some senses it's just because they've got a silly name. But how, how do you be, how do you pick these guys? And and is there any logic to it, or is it just guys who you find interesting and slightly strange? I think it's, it's a great yeah. It's like falling yeah. in love at a bar. <laughs> like you can't explain it, right? It just is. Like, Yasiel Puig, everyone falls in love with that. So, of course, we fall in love with that, right? But, like, Jordan saw Mike Zunino from across the room, and that was that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, come with the Austin Hedges. (laughs) Well, there you go. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it is hard to totally explain. Um, I think that, like, we are just so, like, you know, pro player in so many senses, but like we just, I think that like since baseball is so great because not everyone has the same story, right? And like, yeah, a lot of the big league guys in the big leagues are first rounders or signed big bonuses out of Latin America, but like all these guys are taking very different journeys, especially since they all have to go through the minors at some point. And the ups and downs of the, like that's so much of what it is for me with Zanino is like, that like he was a top three pick, so he was supposed to be awesome. But then he's rushed, and then he looked really bad, and then then he find a way to be good. And it's like it's the ups and downs of a career mm-hmm. that is so intriguing. On top of like, and that's you know he's a guy who like 
as far as personality wise, he's not particularly spectacular or any, you know, notably interesting. Then there are other guys who we love for their personality. We love because they're bizarre, you know, Brett Phillips of the Royals with his goofy laugh and just like Mm -hmm. generally hilarious demeanor. And like, there's all these other guys who, you know, the Puigs of the world in that category who are just so out there and so funny and so great. And that's, that's, that's a reason to love someone too. But I think I also just find myself like, you know, falling for players who just have these weird journeys and, uh, and are now just like a major league player that we get to watch. And, and that's, that's kind of what I kind of find myself appreciating a lot. And it's hard to predict exactly what those things are because they're all so different. So what you were saying there is basically you just pull for anyone who's now on the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's just the nature of being a Mariners fan. Uh, they're basically they're basically a conjoined. They 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 are basically the same team at this point. Uh, so I, 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 fun. We, I we, apologize for bringing up that sore point. I was talking more about the circuitous routes to doing weird things on a baseball field, but I, I maybe wasn't being too. No, no, thing. that's that's also that's also fair. That the Rays are often ripe for uh, for strange and and mysterious, uh, both on and off the field. Um, and uh, I think our friend Brent Honeywell will be continuing that trend, hopefully uh, at some point in the near future. At a ballpark near you. At a ballpark near you. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's you know we can certainly appreciate those teams a, a little bit more than they, when when they are giving us so much to work with, I guess. So you, you mentioned Puig there, who I know it's not exactly uh, the most out there pick, but I think he is. He and Votto on the same team is just going to be so much fun. Like that, that they are probably. Mm-hmm. My, uh, uh, even though I'm a Red Sox fan and I have a similar soft spot for Jackie Bradley that you, as you do for Mike Zanino, um, those two on the same team is just going to be amazing. But I wanted to put to you my my theory about about Puig and about Cespedes. It, I think there's some something happens to these guys when they're escaping Cuba because they're all absolutely crazy in their own way, right? So you've got Cespedes with his barbecue fulfilling the, every single promise that that, uh, that sizzle reel presented to you in terms of on and off the field insanity. Puig, he just is the gift that keeps on giving. I, I must have watched the video of him in that snowstorm in Cincinnati saying it's not that cold more times than I've watched anything in my life. <laughs> and I never, I never, ever stopped laughing at it. And then you've got other people who were, um, you know, shall we say, slightly unhinged in a different way. And I'm not going to name any names because I don't want us to get libeled. Um, Here's my theory. Here's my theory. I I I am not going to claim to be an expert on, you know, the socioeconomic situation of Cuba or any Mm -hmm. of that stuff. But there seems to be, when you're coming from Cuba and you get out, a certain joy to it. Where, like, you you like ha- have been growing up in such a repressive environment that the ability to play baseball for that much money in front of that many people is such a blessing, mm-hmm. right? And such like a gift that I, I believe guys like Puig, it's like, yeah, dude, like, of course I'm going to like, <laughs> like, you know, they're like, family members of mine, you know, people I know who are like maybe in prison, right? Like, of course I'm going to get here and like be happy and love to live. And you know what I mean? There's a, a greater appreciation for, for like the opportunity that they have earned for themselves. Mm. 
I think is what I would say. Yeah, um, I think I'm. I think I'm probably on board with that. I mean, Jose Hernandez, yeah. of course, was was another wonderful example of that. And take it from us too soon. But my my question is is why why is Jose Abreu not joyous? What what's happened in his life? I think he's on the White Sox. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think Abreu is like also he's just an he's just an older guy. Like that's the other thing that's so different between um, you know, Puig and, and Cespedes and all these all the different Cubans that have come over, like they coming over, you know, is such a huge, crazy experience for all the reasons that we stated. And like at different times in their life, like Puig came over when he was 21, 22. Um, like Yo was already 26, Abreu was 28, 29, like these are very different stages in life to have something like that happen to them. So it's all of it. Like Jake said, it's all very complicated. Um, and it's, it is a very interesting group of players uh, and that we've been lucky enough to, to, to get to see. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and like Jake said, right. Like Puig is, I mean, I get the sense that Puig is, would be like that growing up anywhere, but <laughs> I think it is especially magnified uh, because of his, his background. Um, so I want to just, ask a quick question about yo without going into great detail and i want you to be honest how many times a day do you count your blessings that you named your blog after that man and his barbecue well he just keeps giving (laughs) yeah it's uh it's something we often reflect on it is not something we take lightly um it is something that uh, now again, you know, when we chose that name, we had no intentions of it ever becoming anything. So it's not like we can really say like, this is the right person to like be the face of this thing that we want to create. Like, no, that was never, ever part of the plan. So in a lot of ways, right. It's so much luck. Uh, but you know, that barbecue was like everything, not everything, but like it was such a perfect embodiment that, you know, I think we had a sense that this guy, uh, would be it would be the gift to keep on giving. Of course, it's been so much more than we ever could have asked for for so many reasons, and also he's given us so many more moments on the field that we mm. that we could have ever asked for in ways that you couldn't you couldn't even conceive of the the jewelry, the you know losing diamonds on the field, you know, <laughs> like stuff that you couldn't even dream up. Uh, he's managed to to do, and then let alone all the the fun off the field stuff with the cars and the horses and the you know the barbecues he's still having and. The, you know, he's buying pigs and he's buying like he's it's stuff you, you're not even conceiving of. So trust me, we are extremely appreciative and uh, and, and we, we hope to be able to, to thank him uh, one day. Has, has anyone ever got back to you that he, I mean, he must be he is obviously aware of, of your existence. Has anyone ever passed on uh, any particular bomb mo from the great man? Does no cease and desist orders. So, okay, so we've met him once. Right. He was gracious. Um, and at that meeting, this was in 2016, 2015. 2015. And 2015. Um, he was in the Tigers at the time. We were in LA. They were playing. They were playing the Angels. And at the time, like, he, we had, like, a mutual friend. And the friend was like, these guys are big fans. Like, just say hello to them. And, he, we talked like during BP for like five minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was very gracious and he was very kind and we had a nice conversation, but I don't think we had the sense leaving that interaction that he totally understood what we were and what we did. Mm-hmm. And I think we have learned recently through another friend who is, you know, 
who knows him very well, that he actually has a pretty good understanding of who we are, what we do, and is a fan and like enjoys it and is honored by it. And that first interaction we had, I think, was a, a um, an example of us being a little naive and Yoannis understanding more English than he speaks, mm-hmm. perhaps, um, is the sense that we've kind of come to. But yeah, he, you know, he, it's not like he's, you know, watching our Instagram stories or anything yeah, like I mean, that. He's, he's, he's not going to be on the grill this season, is he? No, no. it's <laughs> unlikely. If Jonas Cespedes and his people wanted us done, they would have done it a long time ago. So that is what <laughs> makes me, that is what makes me comfortable. <laughs> Great. So let's, um, let's change the subject a bit um, and talk about, um, about the UK, about baseball in the UK, because. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Jake, you, you have spent a fair bit of time over in the UK, ne- nearly half a year working and studying over here. And uh, Jordan, as you said earlier on, you, you came over to visit whilst uh, Jake was over here. What, firstly, what, what did what did you make of the? What were you doing here, and what did you make of the UK? And uh, I know you played a bit of ball over here, Jake. So um, you got any? I think we need quite a lot of help. So do you want to get? Alleg- allegedly, I'll, I'll get to the me allegedly having played in a, in a, in a second. But yeah, I, there's there's no way Jake played over there. No we'll way. talk about that in a second. <laughs> anyway, I uh, was a Middle Eastern studies, so like Islamic studies and history major in college. Mm-hmm. And the uh, at King's College London has like a very strong history and war studies program. And so mm-hmm. I was really interested in that and decided to study in London. Um, and so I was here or not here. I was there in England for four months, my junior year. And I went through the experience of basically being a British baseball fan with the time difference and doing it during the year that Yoenna Cespedes happened to just be in the World Series. Like, Um, I also played some ball, allegedly, over there. The reason I say allegedly is because perhaps the league over there is semi-professional and may have perhaps allegedly could have maybe made me ineligible for college participation, even though... I wasn't getting paid. I did not get paid. I will say I did not at all get paid. But there were players in the league who uh, maybe were. I literally don't know. Um, <laughs> Jake, anyway, all, your, all, all your stats are going to get wiped. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can, I can make that happen. I can make that happen if you, you need that to happen. I have not. I did not make a dime. I don't know if anyone else was getting paid. All right, I know is yeah. that. No one gets paid in that league. <laughs> That's what I figured. But all my coaches were like, yo, like, if you go over there, like, don't play. Like, don't play in games. And I was like, well, I want to pitch. So I went to one game. I only went to one game. I played for the, oh, the Essex Arrows. Or the, yeah, or the Mets. The Essex Mets. The Essex Arrows. And the, did you play against the London Mets? Was that maybe? No, no we played against Southampton. Ah. The Mustangs? That's correct, yeah. Okay, and there was a buddy of mine, a kid I met through Twitter. Um, oh, man, I haven't talked to him. I'm trying to remember his name. Luke Foley, mm-hmm. um, who was on the British national team, who I threw and worked out with a couple times while I was over there. So he kind of helped me get all set up over there, and I owe him a bunch. And I want to say I met Liam Carroll once mm-hmm. when I was over there as well. Um, and then I played one weekend in like the indoor softball oh, yeah? league, 
in London, which was lit. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I somehow got hooked up with that. So yeah, I got I got my I got my sports in. You got your fill in. How did you find um following baseball with the time difference? Did you did you do a lot of catch up the following morning? No, I just didn't do a lot of sleeping the previous <laughs> night. Yeah, I can I can co-sign on that with my uh, and I was I was an extra hour ahead yeah. in Denmark. So it was uh Listen, I mean, I I remember uh, eating breakfast with Vin Scully. That's really kind of what describes the experience of of being a baseball fan in Europe. Do you the Cindergard Sunrise story? Oh my God! Yeah. Well, so right. So I mean, wait, there's so many aspects of this. But we don't have to. But I just remember watching the World Series, and I was I visited uh, Jake when uh, it was during the CS. Right. It was when mm-hmm. they. Um, when the Mets made it to the World Series, but I was back in Denmark for the World Series, and I just remember staying up for those games. And like Syndergaard was on the mound, and Syndergaard has like these weird Danish roots, so that was kind of fun. Um, but I remember the game, one of the World Series games ending, and I was like, "Oh, nice!" And I heard the person, or I don't even know if it was ending; it was maybe the middle of the game. And I heard uh, the the person on the Vespa outside dropping the newspaper off. And I was like, what is my life? Like, what am I doing? Why, what, what, what time is it? What year is it? Where am I living? Like I, I it was, it was so delusional. And, uh, and I'll always think of the uh, jury's familia when I think of, of, of the newspaper being dropped off. So, but it was great. I mean, you know, it was very weird. Um, and I admire all of you fine folks overseas who, uh, who find time to watch games live because uh, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I know. I know about Vin Scully breakfast time. That that's that's my life for sure. That's that's what I do when I get up to go to work stupidly early in the morning. I tune in. There's well, sadly, no no longer no longer soundtrack by Vin. Um, that's how, that's what it is. That's what we've got to do. Um, I have to be honest that um, I didn't see Mike Trout play live for a long time. <laughs> because <laughs> i was yeah. just like yeah no <laughs> guys gotta sleep but it sounds like you guys are more hardcore than i am this is a running joke on our podcast that i i i have absolutely no constitution for staying up late i don't mind wow don't catch up <laughs> even for the postseason postseason's difficult it depends i did watch a couple of world, world series games last year um but it's, it really is hard. <laughs> I do like sleep. <laughs> and whether I like sleep more than baseball is, it's, it's marginal. <laughs> Jordan would agree with you on that, on that take. Yeah. But, you know, as a Mariners fan on the East coast, you know, I've stayed up a lot for some, some bad baseball that meant a lot less than the world series game. So, That's true. you know, so, you know, it goes, it goes both ways, but wait, actually, I, I do want to ask you, what was your game three experience? Because, with the game, it, it would be like at 9 a.m. when the game was, was finishing up for the, the 17 innings. Or yeah, it innings. was. So, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it, it was strange. So I, I, I started watching that one, I, and, and it was I, – I, I genuinely couldn't believe it was still going on when I when – I, when Did I you go to bed? Did you start uh, watching? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I, I, I sometimes I, – I, I just go to bed mandatorily. I just fall asleep. I'm like, I just have to go now. This is this, this is the life. I'm, I, you guys know this. You you lived over here for a while. You fall asleep watching baseball. I'm, I'm just curious. Like, you were watching the game. You fell asleep. You woke up, and it was still going on. Yeah, and I my my initial reaction was I I honestly I honestly can't believe this. And that was so that was a um 
so it finished at like nine o'clock in the morning and by the time it finished i was i was nearly at work like you know i got up i was watching it during breakfast i was following it on my phone and, and i got to work and i watched the video with nate ovaldi looking like the most crestfallen man in the history of humanity whilst i was sat at my desk i couldn't quite believe what i was seeing <laughs> what yeah. is, it is genuine so that is it you know that was the, the that was sunrise baseball from my perspective was um was nate ovaldi winning the world series by being crushed yeah that's that is uh right i mean you know with our with our watch party we were delusional in a different way but oh god yeah that was the one you did the watch party for yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so we were we were we were rolling we were just hanging out uh live in front of everybody losing our minds but it was a good time it was a good time uh but yeah i was just curious about that because like that really would have just pushed to like normal as you said you were sitting down at work and uh, there's there goes max muncie sending everybody home <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean I, it's not the first time that i've watched baseball or, or at least listened to baseball uh at work i am um, uh, don't tell anyone, but I often listen to Australian baseball commentaries. <laughs> work yeah, in the morning. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Those games. Yeah, they're so much fun. <laughs> that is that that is is um not that I don't love MLB, but uh, I think Australian baseball and Taiwanese baseball is kind of my favorite level because it's really really good, but also like just a little bit crap. <laughs> like, so literally anything could happen. <laughs> That's like, hey, that's like being an Orioles fan. <laughs> no, that is just really, really, really bad. <laughs> More than a little bit crap. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was what was you two guys' reaction when um, when they announced the London games? Uh, I guess you must have been pretty stoked, Jake, uh, having lived over here. Yeah, I mean, it's just like any time that there's baseball in a non-traditional location, that in itself is cool. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of putting it in, you know, like, in a, you put it in any big city and it's going to do great, right? And so the fact that, I don't know if you would call, like, London baseball starved, mm-hmm. but, like, the baseball fan community in London must have just lost their minds because it's like, like, you people... God bless you all have been journeying to the States now, like to go on these road trips and spending money and spending time. And it's a hassle and a schlep and boom game right there. <laughs> Olympic Not just take the train, right? <laughs> like, for you, yeah. You got to take the train, take the, the Virgin, whatever it is, train down and take the tube out to uh, East London. But like, you'll be good. It's much better than flying to, Toledo. <laughs> hey, I don't know. Have you ever been to that stadium? Uh, no, I have not. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. Um, I would certainly. Yeah, talk- can we talk about that? Like, I obviously don't know the logistics that went into it on the MLB side because mm-hmm. it is extremely not our pay grade. But like, which because there's so many stadiums in London mm-hmm. that could have maybe done it. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they picked Olympic Stadium? Is it because, like, you can't really do it, like, at Stamford Bridge or, mm-hmm. like, because this, the field's not big enough, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, what other stadiums do you think they could have done it at? And why do you think they picked Olympic? So, I think they could probably only have done it at the Olympic Stadium or... Twickenham? 
Possibly Twickenham. Wembley, they could have done it at Wembley because the, the field and the edges of the field outside the field at Wembley is, is huge. The places they could definitely have done would be the, the, the cricket stadiums, but they're, they're quite small. Like they're, uh, they would be about half the size of a, of a major league ballpark. And, and you know, <laughs> they know the colour of their money. And also the Cricket World Cup is on at the same time. So <laughs> they're not even available. Um, bad, poor planning. I guess that they went there because it's, it's kind of iconic. It's available. Uh, there's no football on over the, over the summer. Soccer, sorry. Um, I don't know. Uh, there must have been some criteria. Also, it's it's kind of semi-publicly owned and it needs to make money. Like West Ham mm. is the tenant. Um, they pay rent to the Greater London Authority and the, and the, the Olympic legacy company, uh, as can anybody else. And, and let's be honest, I'd rather have Major League Baseball in there than Ed Sheeran. So. Hey, my friend Jordan kind of looks like him, so watch out. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, that is really interesting. And right, there's, there's obviously only so many places you could you could literally fit it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but yeah, I mean, it's I'm using uh, Upton Park. I am. That's true. It's empty. I mean, I, I here's the thing. I would have said right, throw it in Stanford Bridge and just have it be whatever. What, what 170 feet down the line? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like there are some, there are plenty of uh, of low level college teams playing on soccer fields. You, you could you could make something work with some weird with some weird dimensions. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be it'll be cool. And I, I'm also interested because like I remember you know for the Australia games, however many years that was ago. Um, that was at the cricket ground, if I recall correctly. Yeah, the cricket ground is much, much bigger there. Like our our cricket grounds are so cricket in in the UK is, is quite like baseball mm-hmm. in that it's kind of like bucolic, nostalgic. It's quite small. It's quiet and subdued. Um, actually, I think baseball is really like Test cricket, even though it's only three hours long, and Test cricket's five days long, which sounds like a nonsense, but I can explain it not another it's time. Like- it's like big bash, baby. Baseball's like big bash. No, man. I think, I think it's like test cricket. It's closer to test cricket. Yeah, it should be. We, we wish it could be like big bash. The somewhere. home run derby is big bash. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's more like test cricket because it's it's a psychological battle with lots and lots right. of different moments where nothing happens for ages and then a big thing happens. That's like test right. cricket. That's right. in a nutshell. Anyway, um, so yeah, um, Sydney is much bigger. Like that's sixty or seventy thousand. I think the SCG, whereas the Oval, which is the biggest cricket stadium in the UK, I think holds about thirty-five, forty thousand. So okay. that's probably why it's too small. So you got the next question is: Are you guys are you guys going to come over? Surely you're going to get some red hot content out of bat flipping in in front of um, Westminster or something. Okay. Well, two things. First of all, hopefully we'll get over there. That depends on you know. If we get sent, if we come up with the ideas, we would obviously love to go over there. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing, we've already done that. <laughs> so there are videos, uh, I can send it to you, but when Jordan was came to visit me, we did like a bat flip tour of London. So mm-hmm. like we bat flipped at that park near Big Ben mm-hmm. and bat flipped in front of the eye. We tried to bring a bat on the eye and they weren't really feeling that. Um, <laughs> And then we are the only people in the history of the world to bat flip Stonehenge. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we went to Stonehenge and we brought a bat and balls and we bat flipped it. <laughs> Excellent. I'm trying to think of other play, other iconic sites in, in the UK that you could bat flip in front of. London. 
The Tower of London, yep, definitely. Uh, Edinburgh Castle, maybe. You could backflip off the edge. You'd probably kill somebody. Um, Buckingham Palace is like, you hit a ball over that fence and you're going to, you know, Scotland Yard for the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Maybe, if you, if you, maybe that should be uh, the pitch that you make to cut four. Let's try and get arrested by bat flipping in, uh, oh in uh, public places in the UK. <laughs> yeah, we need. It's kind of like a one-time situation. It's not like a. All right, we got arrested. Now we're gonna go get arrested over there, like because then you're just arrested. But I like it. I think we'll we'll pitch that uh, next week. Yeah, we're gonna have to get on that though. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so I don't want to take too much more of your time, but we do have we have a few um, listener questions and a few a few of um, your diligent and excitable followers on on Twitter have asked some some pretty crazy questions as well. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out some some of my favorites um, right. and put them to you both. Um, so oh, I really like this one from Sean Diller. If you could be reincarnated as a bat for any major league player, past or present, whose bat would you want to be? I'm a masochist, so I would like to be Bo Jackson's bat when he snapped it over his head. <laughs> That's, a good, That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I... I mean, I don't... Whatever. I, who knows what the hell a good answer for this one is, but if I'm going to go the opposite... Of Bo Jackson, I want someone who probably does not break very many bats, and that's Joey Votto. He's not <laughs> he is not taking any dumb swings and getting sawed off. So I like I, I would feel like I would feel safe and also have a very good relationship with Joey Votto, which seems like a good time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for uh, Joey Votto's former former teammate, a man who again for very different reasons wouldn't wouldn't do too much damage to a bat, Billy Hamilton. Um, oh man, yeah, you would <laughs> be very weak. Kind. You'd you'd know that you were you were worth worthwhile, but you were being tenderly treated in a very different way to to how Votto would be treating his bats. Um, okay, so uh, next question is from KJ at Hole Kevler on Twitter. Who is a player that you irrationally loved or hated due strictly to a video game? Oh, mm. oh! I have a good answer for this. Uh, this is not fair. Um, this is specific. I don't even know if Jake knows about this. Um, basically, I used to play MLB 2K6 all the time uh, on GameCube uh, with my brother. And uh, we would always play a game where I would be like the MLB like current All-Stars and he would play as the Cooperstown team. And Jim Palmer had this glitch when he pitched where you literally couldn't like, like his arm would like kind of jerk in a way that was not normal and and i told him like you can't use him like i can't pick the ball up you can't see it out of his jersey and you can't see the release point and you know my brother was just being being kind of a dope so uh <laughs> jim palmer just drove me nuts um robin yount on that team also just killed me so kind of weird uh to, to hate a player from so long ago but video games can do that <laughs> do you have anyone jake I mean, this is not the entirety of the reason why I love this player, but it was how I fell in love with him. Um, and it's Roy Oswalt, mm-hmm. former uh, starter for the Astros. My game that kind of endeared me to baseball video games was MVP 04. Mm-hmm. Um, and his curveball in that game was so much fun. 
And I remember I would put the game on like medium or hard difficulty and I would try and throw a no-no. And as soon as I gave up the first hit, I would reset the game. <laughs> I would just play one game and just try and get the no-no. And that's all I would do. That was, was only with Roy Oswald. Only with Roy Oswald. So that's my answer to that one. Excellent. I'm afraid I can't I can't give a, a baseball one. Um, but for, for KJ, if you wanted mine, it's it's Mark Kerr. He was a Scottish midfielder on Championship Manager. Go away and do your research. You'll find out that Mark Kerr's career in Championship Manager was rather better than his real-life career, and he made a lot of people very happy in that game, and I was one of them. Um, wow. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm so intrigued, and I'm excited <laughs> to do some Googling. Champ- Championship Manager is essentially the soccer version of... Um, out oh, of out of the park. Baseball. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. I, I, I like understand the word. I know what you're talking about. I don't know who you're talking about and I'm excited to find out. Yeah. So if you, a couple of guys whose names you'll absolutely love, who also came to nothing in real life, Cherno Samba, brilliant name. Uh, but my personal favorite, Tonton Zola Makoku, uh, who is a legend in the uh, niche football blogging world in the same way that Signal Loopstock is in niche baseball blogging world. And for similar oh, I'm so reasons. in. I'm so in. Get yourself away and get after Tonton Zola Makoku. Okay, next question is from uh, Rob Navera, who is, a, who is a regular correspondent of ours, who always comes up with the goods in terms of questions. Cespedes and barbecues are off the table for reasons that we can't go into here. Dark, dark reasons. With that in mind, which current major leaguer would you pair with which dining occasion, given the choice? Mm-hmm. Okay. I would want to go to like a crawfish boil with Aaron Nola, mm. <laughs> like a very Louisiana <laughs> activity. I don't know if he's got the the goofiest personality ever, but you know, uh, he would definitely feel comfortable in that space. Mm-hmm. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. That, that seems like something he would enjoy. Um, hmm. You know. Mitch Hanniger of the Mariners apparently doesn't like dessert, but I would force him to come. It's a good I would, It's fine. I'm kind of the same, but I would still go and try and have some ice cream with Mitch Hanniger. Just like, look, man, it's all right. Let's just go enjoy some sweets together. Have a good time, me and Mitch. Oh, I would want to do Passover dinner with Alex Bregman, too. That's another one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be so much fun. <laughs> Hamantashen. Hamantashen with Bregman. (laughs) Okay. um, Next question is from Russell Eason. Have other major league players come up to you and complained that you didn't name yourselves after them? No. I don't think that's ever happened. That is a funny question. We have had major leaguers tell us that we should have named it after other major leaguers. Like I have (laughs) memories of people being like, why don't you pick Puig? (laughs) <laughs> well, he didn't have the barbecue, so <laughs> it's not complicated. Like, you know, it's not like Joe's around. Yeah, so we've uh, we've been hearing that uh, many times, but it's fine. As we, I think, as we made very clear, I think we're pretty fine with our selection. Um, but people make that joke. We talk about like players, like you know, with Reese or Zanino, whatever. It's like it's fine. We can still love a lot of players. We don't all have to have the name. It's okay. Excellent. And a similar, there's a lot of question about names. It's almost as though people think it's your thing, guys. So who's the best player with the most disappointing name and the most disappointing player with the best name? Mm. Oh, this is so good. 
This is such okay. a good question. It's from Chris Brown, by the way. Sorry, sorry, Chris. I forgot to say who it was from. But since it's good, I will, I will, I will say. This okay. player is okay. Here's an answer. Player who is worse than his name, Nolan Fontana. <laughs> Nolan okay. Fontana. With that sounds name. like the best player. In sounds, yeah, Nolan Fontana is like the name of. Okay, yep. have you seen Project X? Yeah, yeah, I know it. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, do you know what I'm talking about? I yes. I, There's I, the I, scene where Miles Teller's broy character is like the hot shot shortstop at USC. And in my head, his name is Nolan Fontana. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I do like that a lot. I'm trying to think of I mean, like Jose Ramirez. <laughs> yeah. Like the like there are like some <laughs> Joe Smith, yeah, like, it, yeah. Here's a take. Or here's my, Mike here's, Trout. Yeah, yeah. So my my, <laughs> my personal one, the, the one that one that gets a lot of coverage as a player that is is so much better than his name is uh, Brad Peacock, um, mm, because yeah. Brad Peacock uh, sat. So I don't know if you're aware of the. You must know rugby as a sport. Do you know there's two versions of rugby? Um, so rugby, rugby sevens, rugby league, and rugby union. So rugby league is what they play where I live in Manchester, in the north of England. And Brad Peacock sounds like he should be playing for the Leeds Rhinos. Absolutely, that that's that's uh, died in the wool Yorkshireman is Brad. Um, not, so, not not Saracens. <laughs> Wrong. Yes, yeah, right. Stop talking. Stop talking. <laughs> any any more on that one? I don't know. I, I obviously name like baseball names or something. I, I obviously think about a lot and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have uh, the, the best minor league names of 2019 uh, before minor league opening day. We have which Sicknarf Loopstock will certainly be featured again, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, Yanger Solarte has always been my favorite, but he's arguably too good, but there are definitely some players that it's like they, they show up and they have amazing names and then they disappear and are gone forever. So but uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I need to think more about the in the Joe Smith category of like the boring names with the great, but, but are actually good players. Yeah, um, maybe an, maybe another one um, is someone with the spelling of Henry, as in Henry Mejia. That's just a huge disappointment, Henry. Um, <laughs> the last two questions. Uh, the first one is uh, from from our dear friend Henry Cook who's one of the presenters of the Absolute Bunts podcast, which if you guys haven't checked out, you absolutely should. You'll, you'll love it. Uh, it's absolutely up your street. They, this is uh, Henry and John, are two guys who've never watched baseball before, who've just started watching it to, to, to have a podcast. Oh. <laughs> and it is uh, it is exactly what you'd imagine. Henry is uh, is rather more taken with, with Rays than baseball. <laughs> um, so his question, uh, and he is obviously a Rays fan, given that, um, what are your favorite type of ray? <laughs> uh, Brewers Minor League outfielder Corey Ray. That's a good one. Good uh, ray Black uh, with the Giants. He's pretty bizarre. Big fan of him. Uh, ray Navarro, uh, I believe, is like a minor leaguer. It's R E Y. Uh, that's, that's another one. Uh, I ray Ogonia? Like, no. Ray Ardonia is another one, obviously. Ari Wai, so that's a good one. Um, Ray Sremerard? Uh, <laughs> yes, that's that's a little different. Uh, written, I don't know. 
Do you guys how how does how does Ray, he feel about Ray, them? Ray from Star Wars. How does he <laughs> feel about uh, them no longer being the Devil Rays? I guess it doesn't sound like he knew that they were ever the Devil Rays. But well, you know, like he does. He, he, I think he does. I think he's done yeah. research. And, and right, you know, he, he would say he prefers Manta Rays to Devil Rays because they're a more peaceful creature. But you know, sure, sure, sure. I'm, I'm interested in your take. Can I say something about the Rays that that I realized recently? That is silly as hell. Is this is so last week I was in Florida and I drove by Tropicana Field for the first time. I didn't go in, I've never been, and it hit me. This team rebranded themselves to be named after sunlight, the Rays, and they play indoors. <laughs> you don't see the sun rays in the Rays Stadium. Yeah, like it like at least like I know you can't open the roof, but can we put like a like a like a like literally a sunroof? Something. <laughs> the stadium looks broken from the outside. It was actually really jarring. It, it's like tilted. It, it it's so bizarre, and it's gray and. Uh. <laughs> okay, so the the, the last question, um, uh, hopefully saving saving the best to last, is is from Helene Greenfeld. Um, are your mums the best? Love from Jake's mom. Ooh, this is I a good mean, one. Um, my mom on. knows that she's not my favorite mom. <laughs> Savage. When, Jake, I, man. I, when I was like eight, um, my my best friend at the time, his name was his kid. His name was Ayal. Ayal. And... Ayal's mom, I used to go over there for Shabbat dinner all the time, and she would make this salmon that absolutely slapped. It was legit. It was outstanding salmon. And she would make it with orzo. And I remember my mom one time, like we were like eight or nine, just like, who, who's the best mom in the world? I was like, Tanvi, Ayal's mom. She makes a, a great salmon. And ever since then, I always said that to my mom. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty, that's like pretty scientific, I would say. It's really kind of hard to dispute that. Uh, but I will go with the easy answer and say that, yeah, my mom is the best mom. Although I guess in this case, I should make your mom feel better and say that she's the best mom. So just, to, mom just to fill in. Two, my mom's then number two on both of our lists. <laughs> yeah, which is still, I mean, that's still pretty good. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. I'm not. I'm not going to dispute it. I, I, I'm sure you're absolutely lovely, Helene. Um, she is. I love my mom. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I hope she listens uh, just to hear that. Uh, what a way to end the podcast. I think that that's that's a high note on which to uh, which to end everything. So, um, guys, thanks very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure spending my evening and your afternoon together. Um, if people don't know who you are, um, don't know where to find your stuff, um, feel, please feel free to tell them. I mean, they're stupid if they don't, but they're necessary. They're not stupid. No one is. No, you're just you're gleefully uninformed. <laughs> I might I might argue they're stupid if they do know. <laughs> so, uh, no, you can add uh, Cespedes BBQ on Twitter.com. That is that is the easiest way. Uh, to find us and to reach us, we're we're generally pretty responsive there uh, in the in the direct messages world. But that's yeah, and, and all of our all our work is on uh, Cut Four MLB.com slash Cut Four. Uh, that's where you can find uh, us where we're doing writing, doing videos, all kinds of fun stuff over there. Um, and uh, and yeah, but uh, if you want if you want uh, if you want the 
the straight to the source at Cespus BBQ on Twitter is the way to go. And on Instagram, still, still working on that. And on Snapchat. And on Snapchat. And on Snapchat, which I know is not as cool anymore. Um, we're not on TikTok yet. That's fine. Uh, but that's, that's, that's pretty much where you can reach us. Pretty straightforward. Great. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. Um, and oh, thank, thank you. you. This was a delight. Yeah, well, hopefully, we'll, hopefully we'll um, be able to stand you a couple of beers at the end of June to say thanks. Hopefully. I very much, very much, very much hope that that is the case. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs>